uh, do surgery. And back then they didn't have the little procedures where they give you the four little cuts in there and get it all done. They had to open me up. But as soon as I um, came out of surgery, they wheeled me into recovery. And many of you know of that experience uh, if you've ever had surgery. And I was really kind of groggy and confused and, and out of it. And I was kind of waking up and Basically, what I said was, hey, what's going on? Have you ever had that? It's kind of like you wake up out of sleep and, and it's like, hey, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't clear. I wonder if that same reality isn't going on in America today. Is that some of us may have been groggy and a little bit confused and uninformed and all of a sudden we're waking up going, hey, what's going on? What's going on here? This is not Mayberry RFD anymore. Where's Andy? Barney! Are you with me? It's not the same nation that you and I grew up in. Hey, what's going on? Just pray with me. Father, we just ask that today that you would be with us, you would sober us, you would help us to gain the information that we need. We're here on planet Earth today for a purpose, for a reason. We're living in this city for a purpose and a reason. We're here at this church this morning for a reason and a purpose. And so, Lord, we just want to surrender to be available to you to gain what we need to gain today, that we might be fully equipped for the day and age we live in, to be representatives of your grace and your glory, to let our lives make great impact, and, God, to leave a legacy for Christ in our culture. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever looked around our world or America and said, Hey, What's going on? It seems for me to be a pastime now. It's always on my mind. My kids look at me and, is it age? Could be. Is it that I'm just old-fashioned? Or have things changed? Are things changing? Can you turn on the news or read the newspaper or pick up a magazine and, again, it's not leave it to Beaver. It's not Mayberry RFD anymore. There's an answer to the question what's going on. From a biblical perspective, we are living in the last days. Now, don't shout amen all of you at one time. And that's fine. Some of you, like I told you last week, some of you are saying, hey, I'm with you. You're right. Some of you are going, Gosh, I really don't know. I don't know. I have enough information. And some of you are pushing back going, whoa, that's kind of scary. I don't want to hear anything about it. But from a biblical perspective, we're living in the last days. The sign of the times reveal that we're in the fourth quarter of the human journey. I don't know about you, but last Sunday, late afternoon, well, it would have been early evening, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, I was glued to the TV. Get the snacks and, and, and the drinks and the pizza in the first half. When the fourth quarter hit, 
Stay out of my way. Don't move me. Don't get in front of me. I am glued to the TV set. I want to see how this thing's going to turn out. As Christians, I think we should be in that same mentality, that same mindset. We're in the fourth quarter of the human journey. No more time for all the pizza and and the drinks and all that. Hey, I need to be glued in. What's going to happen? What's going on? How's it going to turn out? If we really are living in the last days, what should we as Christians be aware of? How do we prepare and what are we doing? My friends, I believe it's time to be extremely aware, alert, and awake, and informed. That's the day and age we live in. Let me ask you a question. What would you say? If somebody came up to you, maybe at the workplace or in a casual time, you're out to dinner or whatever, and said, Are we living in the last days? Are we living in the end days? What would you say? How would you answer that? Yes is great, but do you have any criteria? Do you have any biblical understanding? Can you explain it all? Why? Well, go ask the preacher. You know what? I think I'm in my 38th year of ministry. I'm not doing that anymore. Yes, I want to answer the question, but I don't know how much time I've got, but I want to equip us. It's not about me. It's about us. I can't work where you work. I can't play where you play. I can't live where you live. I don't interface with the same people that you interface with. So are you going to be equipped? And am I going to do my job to equip you so that hopefully after this series, there'll be five. I started last week. There'll be this week and three more. Five weeks, hopefully, you'll get some tapes, you'll you'll look at the bulletins, you'll equip yourself. So if somebody comes up to you and says, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the end of days? You won't have to say, call the preacher. You'll be able to say, "Well, well, 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 I've got a few thoughts here. So what would you say? Because when you stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, how many people did you send to the preacher to ask that question? Today's focus is going to come out of Matthew chapter 24. And if you've never met, uh, read Matthew 24, before you go to sleep tonight or sometime this afternoon or at least sometime tomorrow, read the whole chapter because it begins to speak about the last days. Now, I don't have time to go over all of it, but today we're going to look at verses 3 through 14. Matthew chapter 24, 3 through 14. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Wow. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You'll see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nation for my name's sake. And there'll be many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. 
then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and the end will then come. It's not a portion of the scriptures that you usually want to just go and read and go, wow, great, I just can't, I love this. This is so exciting. I just can't wait for it to happen. That's not the kind of how we address this verse. But I want you to know there's seven quick things I want to equip you with today. Last week, if you weren't here, sign up for a CD. I talked about what would be going on in humanity, in human beings in the last days. And so you can kind of see that. Today, we're going to take a little different twist, and we're going to look at this particular verse. So seven quick things that you can be knowledgeable about and be equipped to know whether or not we're living in the last days and how you can answer that question to others. Number one, disciples ask questions to gain understanding. Disciples ask questions to gain understanding. Please notice in verse 3 it says, the disciples came to him and said, tell us. The disciples were curious. The disciples wanted more information. The disciples wanted to understand the plan of God. And as modern day disciples, we need to take our cue from the first disciples and we need to be curious about the last days. We need to go to Jesus individually as a church and say, tell us. I just didn't come up with this five week series for no other reason. I want you to know that I'd been in my heart for four or five months and I'd been praying and said, Lord, I'm not really good with all that. I'm not really good on end times guy. And and that was uncomfortable. It was outside of my comfort zone. Has God ever led you outside of your comfort zone? Then you've got to be more dependent on him than you have ever been. But I know that I know that I know that almighty God wants us to ask questions. He wants us to be curious about the last days. He wants us to be informed and understand. He wants us to say, God, what are you doing in these last days? Disciples ask questions to gain understanding. Two, deception will be prevalent. In the last days, deception will be prevalent. When the disciples said to Jesus, tell us, about the last days. What was the first thing he said? Take heed that no one will deceive you. Take heed to yourself that no one will deceive you. If you search the, the scriptures, Daniel and Revelation, other places, it says that in the last days there will be a powerful increase of the spirit and the mindset of deception. That's why the Bible says there, many will be deceived. Is that just talking about the, the, the lost world that doesn't know Christ? Did you know say, it says even in the end, that the enemy tries to deceive, if he can, even the elect, those that are Christians. We're not out of the woods. If you just came to Christ, so you hope you're on your way to, to heaven, and you don't recognize that you're going to be fighting in the last days a spirit of deception, you're not fully awake. I love you, but I'm going to tell you, if you just believe it's ice cream and cookies and Mayberry RFD, that's not the reality. In the last days, there will be an increase of the spirit of deception. I was talking to a good friend of mine 
who's probably more aware of the end days than I am for sure. And I asked him to write down for me ten different things that he thought that the church needed to be aware of in the last days. And his number one thing is beware of deception. And you know what? He didn't get that out of his brain. He came and he got it out of the scriptures. You know what the word uh, deceive or deception means? Simply to believe something that's not true. It also means a trick or to mislead. In the last days, the enemy is going to trick, try to trick people to mislead them. Now, how many of you know that the enemy's not going to come right up to you and go, Hi, Richard. <laughs> Hi, I'm the devil. I'm going to deceive you. Are you ready? That's not how the enemy's going to work. You know, he's sneaky. He's sly. It's an inch by inch, a decision by decision, a wrong thought by wrong thought, one detour after another detour. And pretty soon you can wake up all of us, none of us are out of the woods, and we can be deceived. Especially in the last days when the increase of the spirit of deception will try to attack the masses. My friends, it's very, very important that we stay alert and we stay awake so that we're not misled. If you don't know what the truth is, he can deceive you. Number three, real quick, false religions will abound. Do you see it there? Many will come in my name. Many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ, and will deceive how many? Many. Jesus says that because of this spirit of deception that will be on the, the rise and the increase in the last days, Many false religions will spring up. New religions will say, hey, 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 we got it. We got the way. And those religions sometimes will be in the form of, of movements or groups or denominations. But you know the two greatest false religions I think of today in America that are deceiving many? It's the religion of secularism and the religion of humanism. Because we don't really believe there's any truth unless we decide. It's called relativism. We put ourselves in each situation. We get to determine what's right or wrong, the truth. I'll bring it to bear next week. But it says, watch out when the people call evil good and the good evil. That's the day we're living in. So false religions will rise up and say, follow us. We as Christians, disciples, need to ask questions about the last days. We need to be on guard and alert against the spirit of deception. We're going to see the rise of religions. And again, humanism, relativism, secularism, I think, are the greatest religions that are growing right now. Number four, relational conflicts will increase. Do you see it there? Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against na kingdom. Jesus continues and he says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Basically, relational conflicts will intensify. I don't know how many of you saw the headline yesterday in the news. It says this, Russia declares new Cold War. Gosh, if that doesn't put chills on your back, then you don't understand what the Cold War was all about. And you don't understand how far we've come but now how far we've fallen back. Russia. Russia declares we're now in a new Cold War. For 
all of us in here, because of I can look at our age, we understand that, don't we? Russia declares new Cold War. What about Syria? What about what's going on in the Middle East? What about North Korea? What about the conflict in the South China Sea? What about the increase of Russia in Syria and Crimea and other places? And what about ISIL and ISIS and See, dangerous conflicts are emerging, and you're saying, well, Jeff, that's, that's all kind of world events, and that's all kind of politics, and, and I really don't have to understand any of that. What? I don't spend a lot of time in the news just because I want to watch the news at night. I've got to be careful. There's a spirit of deception out there, and media can be, but we got to know what is going on. My friends. If we're living in the last days, we need to understand that relational conflicts in many, many different ways. If you look down there and I've talked talk about it, it even talks about families betraying each other. Number five, natural plagues and disasters will occur. Jesus went on and said there'll be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Natural diseases will manifest out of nowhere, seemingly. Anybody ever heard of Ebola? Started in Africa. Remember that scare when there was an Ebola case found in Dallas, a couple in Dallas's? And gosh, everybody was uptight. And you know what? Now everybody's fine. Man, it doesn't seem to be a problem. Do you know that's not true? They have contained it, but I read an article not too long ago that it can jump back even faster, even harder, spread faster than ever before. But, you know, again, we listen to media, and, and we're fine, and we'll go back to our natural lives. And But you know what? If there was an Ebola case in Fort Collins, do you think it'd wake us up? Oh, my goodness. You'd be going, well, those are the last days, and there are any kids. Anybody heard of the Zika virus that started in Brazil? Now, some of you are going to say to me, Jeff, you're an alarmist. You're, you're, oh. Somebody has to wake us up. Somebody's got to wake me up. The reality is we're right on the edge. We don't know. In the last days, there'll be what? Famines and pestilence. Hey, just look around at the droughts and what's created and caused by that. Any earthquakes? Anybody known that? I came from Oklahoma City. Did you know yesterday there was a 5.1 earthquake in Oklahoma? I've never felt an earthquake before. My mom and, and Larry used to live in La Jolla, and I used to go there and want to have an earthquake. I want to experience it. When I lived in Oklahoma, I wanted to have a tornado until it hit about three miles from me. I don't want to be around a tornado ever again. Last, was it May? Kathy and I, I don't remember when it was. I, she's not here to tell me the you know, she's my, she tells me, you know, she's not here. Anyway, we were in Oklahoma City, four in the morning. Got shook out of my bed. Man. Pestilence, famines, and earthquakes. You can blow it off. You can say, well, it's always been that way. You know, the Bible says in the last days, there'll be scoffers. They'll go, okay, no big deal. We're living in America. Friends, we, we can't afford to be ignorant. We can't, be afford, we can't afford to be scared or unaware of what's going on today. Disciples ask those questions. Number six, persecution of Christians will happen. Do you see it there? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now, that, can we cut that out of the Bible? 
and kill you. No, thank you. And you'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. That's not what I signed up for. As we continue in the fourth quarter, the last days, the non-Christian world will become more aggressive and more hostile. And they will attack the church like never before. And if you don't think that could ever come to America, did you know it's already here? I'll be talking about it in a couple uh, weeks from now. How many of you heard that Anthony, Anthony Scalia died yesterday? Some of you go, Anthony who? You don't understand how pivotal this man was in the United States of America. And I'll tell you, he was the one, and I'll quote him next week. I don't have the quote right here. When the Supreme Court a few months back legalized same-sex marriage, he said that was a declaration against Christians. They are now hated, and they are the enemy. A brilliant man appointed by Ronald Reagan was one of the conservatives on our Supreme Court. Wherever I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about Washington. I'm talking about spirituality in the last days. And he declared that when the Supreme Court did that, it was an attack and a war and a declaration against Christianity in America. In the last days. When I was growing up in the late 70s and became a Christian in the early 80s, I was a youth pastor. It was popular to be a Christian. People go tell me, I'm a Christian. Everybody was excited about being a Christian. Let's go to the church. Let's do our youth, youth group activities. That's not the world we're living in anymore, friends. Again, I'm not speaking politics. I'm speaking spirituality. And last point, because we're going to have a little testimony time today. Godly and authentic love will diminish. Do you see it there? And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many. Do you notice how, how Jesus speaks of many? He's talking about the majority. He's talking about the popular mentality and mindset. And that's not just non-Christians. Don't misread the scriptures. Many, the love of many will grow cold. God's love, agape love, sincere love, authentic love will diminish. Selfishness, pride, and self-interest will dominate. What if there was a major catastrophe? And there was a scarcity of food or water. Just giving you a scenario. How many of your first thought was, how do I take care of my neighbor? How do I make sure that the guy down the block or the lady down the block is okay? How many of you think, gosh, the people at church, how do I help them? I think for most of us, it's not an indictment necessarily against each of us individually, but who we are as human. Where do I get food? How do I take care of my family? Where do we get water? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if you're deceived and you're caught, it's in the last days where the ugliness of humanity 
will be seen like never before. The ugliness of the human heart without Christ will dominate. Now, in my own brain, have you ever talked to yourself? (laughs) No, you guys are all perfect, sane, spiritual. Well, I talk to myself a lot. And if I'm not careful, I can do the wrong talking. But my natural humanity says, people don't want to go to church and hear this. They want to hear about love and joy and grace and prosperity and advancement and self-help. And that's what I hear. But I know in my heart of hearts, disciples want to know. They don't want to be asleep. They don't want to be ignorant. They don't want to be caught off guard. Because if they are, they're going to come and say, Preacher, why didn't you tell us the truth? Why weren't you honest with us? Why didn't you equip us and prepare us for the day and age that we were heading into? It would be an indictment against my spirituality, my responsibility, and my character. I owe it to the Lord and I owe it to you to tell you the truth about characteristics of the last days. I'll finish with this and I want you to get prepared. We're going to have about 15 minutes to share some testimonies. If we truly are living in the last days, and I believe we are, whatever that means, a a, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. I don't really know, but I believe it's just clear from timetables, scriptures, we're living in the last days. Please hear me. Make sure you're in a good Bible-believing church and make sure that the pastor is alert, praying, spiritual, and aware. Because if you're not in a good Bible-believing church and you're not, your pastor's out to lunch, you're putting yourself in danger. Because, you know, the Bible does put a responsibility on me and every pastor that we are to care for the flock. It's my responsibility to be in the Scriptures, praying, fasting, on my knees, saying, God, you've given me a responsibility to watch over the lives and the souls and the families of everybody that calls Connection Church home. And I take that serious. And it's not about me, but make sure you're in a good Bible-believing church and make sure that that pastor is alert and aware and awake so that he's not deceived and you're not deceived and that we're ready, available, and willing to represent Christ in such an important time of human history. Let's pray. Father, thank You that we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be unnerved. We don't need to be scared. But God, we do need to be awake and aware and prepared. And so I say, and we as a church say, Jesus, tell us, when will be the sign of the last days and the sign of your coming? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's transition. Everybody okay now? I mentioned to you, uh, we were going to have a testimony time in January. And as I was just praying about that, I just really sensed the Lord said, 
in 2016, the second Sunday of every month, we're going to have a little testimony time. You guys get to hear me talk and share about what God's doing in my life, but it's important. We said part of the uh, reality this year and is to honor God, to make sure we come to the end of the year, that we've grown, we've grown together. That's part of the directory and other things. Part of that, to grow together, is to share testimony. This week I had lunch with a person that had been coming here for two years. I pretty much know everybody that comes. We're a smaller church. I try to interface and know everybody. This guy I knew, but I only knew his name. And we sat down this week and had a cup of coffee. And he told me his story. He told me his journey, how he had been delivered from alcohol and drugs. and everything. Gosh, did I feel close to him after that. Man, I missed out on getting to know him. I saw him every Sunday. I knew his name. Patted him on the back. But guess what? It's not just up to me to get to know. We get to know each other. There's people, I guarantee you, there are so many wonderful people in this church. Again, this group versus this group, or you know how this all is. There's somebody incredibly special. That if you take time to hear their testimony, or to get a cup of coffee, or to have lunch if we'll grow together, you know the number one reason why people come to church? Friends. Somebody asked them. You know the number one reason why they stay? Friends. Hard to leave when, when, when you're connected relationally. Easy to leave for a lot of reasons when you don't feel connected. So this is an opportunity. The second uh, two, uh, Sunday of every month in 2016, we'll have about 10 or 15 minutes to share testimonies. What that means is we're not going to try to cram it in today. What it means is if you feel led to come share a testimony, it's an open mic. I'm going to ask, though, that you keep it to like two or three minutes. If you want to share, just come forward. I would say you might want to come to the front rows so that you're ready to go because if you're clear back there, then we have. So this is your time. You can share what God's been doing in your life, sharing a testimony. Isn't that going to be fun in 2016 is to hear people's testimony? Well, completely out of character. (laughs) But I wanted to share originally about having peace that passes all understanding but before before i forget since he ended the sermon with we needed to be in a church family in the end times the reason that uh, we're even in church today is because the lord told us about four years ago we'd been out of church five years couldn't find a place i couldn't find a place where we connected we have never felt that we ever fit any place we're just uniquely oddballs and so uh, the Lord, and we were watching church TV, and that was doing it for a while. Anyway, to make a long story short, he told us to get moving, find a church. We found Jeff <laughs> and the church, and the reason was to find church family. End times are coming, and we're going to need each other. So I just want to confirm what he said. That's the reason we're in church. And then recently, uh, it's very hard that I... <sighs> I found out that we had a flu a couple years ago, which I didn't know what happened, but Brent got a deep uh, infection in his body that took 40 days of antibiotics to get rid of. Later on, we found out that my heart muscle had weakened, and uh, pending, we'll find out in March, I may need a uh, pacemaker. Well, the Lord is good. We've kind of, you know, been in our testing 
But the really peace came on Friday after the event that I've had back problem and gone through a lot. That uh, we went to a spine place, they took x-rays, and my back is healing from an incident where I hurt myself in the garden, but the hip problem, I need a double hip replacement. And so I struggled with it. Now the hard thing, I didn't cry. I just thought... And the guy, doctor told me it was life-threatening. And I said, okay, God can take care of it. You know, I'll have to adjust to this. Friday, I bawled. <laughs> it was like, this was like, I could have fallen off the chair. Like, what? And then I remembered my mother had a double hip replacement in her 80s. My grandmother had a bad hip all these years. So the hip thing is hereditary. And the heart thing, although my dad had heart problems, was not. So... Uh, I struggled Friday, Saturday. I was not coming this morning, by the way. I was in pain. Uh, I uh, did the warm back thing. I felt good. And all of a sudden, I had this peace come about me like, I really need to go to church and see the people there. You know, when you're not here, I miss you. And I don't know, some arrogance in myself thinking, oh, nobody misses me. You know, the enemy likes to say, you don't matter. Nobody misses you, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, boy, have I fallen into that lie. So I got up, I got dressed, and I came. I heard the sermon. The Lord put it on my heart that even though Friday, Saturday, until this morning, that peace that I don't know how God does it just came over me that I need to come and see you all, that your family, and I may not personally know each one of you, but when you're gone, I notice. <laughs> and um, about the health issues, it would be great if the Lord healed me up miraculously. You know, I love that. If he doesn't, well, I'm now old enough for Medicare. <laughs> January 1st, and proud of it, by the way. Um, so that piece that passes all our standing, and we have a plaque in the wall at home by a kitchen table. God has everything under control. And I really believe that, whatever happens. But I did have the arrogance and thinking, if you take care of yourself, you'll be healthy until God takes your breath away. Well, that didn't happen. So I had to be, I was prideful and arrogant. I used to exercise. Oh, I'll be healthy. None of this stuff was my fault. And a lot of things that I was judgmental in my mind and heart about I had to repent for because genetics and diseases and things happen. So I am sorry for every time I ever thought that somebody probably caused their own problem. <laughs> but that arrogance is gone. <laughs> so I would just uh, want to uh, tell you how much the church family means to me. And how much and how important it is that uh, we let each other know. So I'm letting you all know. I love you. You need to speak to me about your hips. I'm the hip queen. (laughs) I've had four hip replacements. And uh, I'm walking. Praise God. So what I... What was on my heart um, was a relationship that has been repaired, a very important relationship in my life. My father died five years ago. He had a tumultuous life. 
painful childhood. Uh, divorced my mother and uh, my brother. Never really had a relationship with him again. And I worked at it. I worked and worked and worked at trying to get what I needed from my father, which was his love. And he he just couldn't provide for it for me. And uh, the problem was alcoholism. And he found another woman who was on the same train he was, and she's my stepmom. And I, I love both of them dearly, but I just couldn't measure up for some reason. I never felt like I could measure up and uh, please them in any way. It was just a, always knocking on the door that never opened. So the hardship was when my father died, um, my brother and I were not even put in the obituary, and the uh, we were not invited to the, we didn't know when the funeral was going to be or anything, um, so I, n- I never got to say my piece with my father or my stepmom, and so there were years of, of bitterness, and I ended up giving it all up to the Lord many, many times. Last year, I got a Christmas card from my stepmom. And then I got a birthday card. And then I started sending her cards and letters. This year, she sent a a large gift of money to my daughter when she had her baby and sent me a a wonderful gift for after I had my hip replacement, a beautiful get well card. And I have to tell you, I never thought that this would happen, but it's the most amazing thing that God has repaired this relationship that has just been the most difficult thing, uh, one of the most difficult things in my life. So praise God. Folks, I want to tell you a story really quick, something that uh, is kind of unique that's happened recently. Um, so I don't know if anybody has ever tried to reach anybody not in your circles in Facebook before. It's not exactly an easy thing because it's a very wide, very big audience. And so I have a, a Facebook page that's trying to do that, and it's a massive, massive failure. It doesn't work. I'll post something and maybe three people will see it, right? So a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so back, um, I posted something that was, you know, just an article I'd seen, and I gave a quick little thought on it. Uh, it was about a uh, pastor that had committed suicide, and, and I, I spoke out against this thing. You know, this is something present, present, preventable that we can, we can do this. So figuring, eh, 11 people will see it. Well, um, two people saw it. Um, I'm pretty sure that one of those was me just seeing the page again. Um, The other person reached out to me. Uh, She was from uh, a church in Illinois. And she's 
said that God has been speaking to, to her and a bunch of people there's lives, and they want me to come give a talk at this seminar. Isn't that weird? The way this has gone about is that they want to uh, try and you know break down a lot of the, the, the stigmas in churches that, you know, uh, whether it be just caring for each other or, or whatever it is, uh, but they want to come together and have this conference. And I just thought it was really cool that, you know, out of the two people that saw this post, this is one, one thing that happened. So I believe that God is in this. I believe that uh, I'm being sent to do this. And I just would uh, invite you all to pray for that. That's going to be in two weeks, three weeks, something like that, March 5th. So uh, be praying for that. And I'm, I just wanted to share that cool thing that's going on. That means you have to wait a month, but it means that in a month from now, uh, you'll be all the more prepared. So uh, the second Sunday of every month, we're going to have 15 minutes just at the end of the service to share testimonies. Isn't that beautiful from all of them? Again, it's great to hear that God is alive and well and doing some great. Why don't you stand on your feet and I'll just uh, pray a benediction over us and, and may we have a great week. Father, thanks for today. God, I'm convinced that you're involved and invested in every one of our lives. And you're a personal Lord and a personal Savior. And so I just entrust these special and wonderful people to you that you would take good care of their lives. That you'd watch over them. That you administer life where they feel discouraged. You administer healing where there's been wounds. You'd bring light where there's been darkness. You'd bring hope where there's been great discouragement. And the Father, we would grow together as a family of faith that it wouldn't just be a nice coined statement. And Father, those of us that have been hurt in church, hurt by church people, keep an arm's distance. God, you understand that. But move us beyond that. Help us to risk again, to love again, to trust again, which is not easy for us, but we believe that in you and through you all things are possible. So I thank you for Connections Church. I thank you for every wonderful and special person that's here and that you're calling and that are coming. We want to honor you in all things. Prepare us, God, for these last days. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Have a great week. Love you. God bless you.